This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. So glad to be with y'all today. Get to be up here and speak to you. Pastor Stormy is with our good friend Rick Burke celebrating his 15th anniversary as a church. He did what we did, started a church from scratch, which is the hardest thing you'll ever do in your life. It's very difficult, and they have made it 15 years, so he is celebrating with them. He is speaking up there. I'm speaking here, and I'm so glad to be here. Hey, if you didn't get a handout today, I, I'll just tell you right now, I'm different than my husband. Is that okay? Yes, most of you know that, you know me, but I like handouts because I like you to have the Word of God. I'm going to go over some points. You're actually going to get some points. And the scriptures, I like to use a lot of different translations. If you didn't get one, raise your hand up and our ushers will get one to you. Hey, pastor's been doing a series called what? Build the Church. Wasn't that such a good song that we sang about build your church? We're the church. We're going to talk about that today, that we are God's church. You know, he's been coming at it from those churches in Revelation, but the Lord really put on my heart to go back to the beginning of the idea of the church. Who do you think thought up the church? Who was it? Jesus. And we're going to go back and we're going to read some scriptures about the birth of the church. Hey, if you're with us online, get you out a piece of paper, write these notes down. The points are going to be up here for you to follow along because we want the word of God not to just, we don't want to just be hearers of the word today, but we want to be doers, right? All right, let me pray before we start. Lord Jesus, we just come to you. Father, we pray that you would just work in our hearts today. Work in us, Jesus. We want to hear your voice, and we will obey what you, you speak to us, God. Help us, Lord, to be a good witness of what your church is in Jesus' name. Amen. So today I'm going to talk about unity, okay? Unity. This is something you hear a lot. We talk about this a lot, like in our marriage conferences, but unity is needed in every area of our life. On there, Miss Garrett will appreciate that I have a definition here of unity. It says joined as a whole. We are joined together as a whole. Some other words that mean unity, some synonyms are agreement, harmony, accord, unison. So this message today that I believe the Lord really is going to speak through us, to us about, can be applied in any area. Now we're talking about the church, but how many of you know we have a big circle of our lives? In our circle, what could we include? Our families. Some of you are married. That could be your marriages. Even if you're not married, you have family members. We have children. We have parents. We have siblings. We have extended family members. I'm going to tell you some stories about that. Okay? What else is in our circle of our lives? How many of you work somewhere? You have a job. Raise your hand up. Guess what? That's in your circle, and you can apply this unity to it. How many of you are in school right now? We have many middle school, high school, college students. Guess what? This can be applied. How many of you are on in some kind of team? This could be like our kids on football teams. This could be at work. You're on a team of people. It could be that there's a team of you that go and do something together. Maybe you play soccer. Maybe you play in the band. All of us are in it. We have a circle in our lives of all the people that we're connected to. And guess what? We should be in agreement, joined as a whole to all the people. If there's a break or a gap in that circle, God's love doesn't fully show to everyone around us, right? So we're going to talk about how can we be in unity 
as a church. Let's see what Jesus said. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to be looking at John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. I really have fallen in love with this translation because it says things in a way that are a little different. It is actually translated from the Aramaic language. See, most of our translations are from Greek, and then we hear about the Hebrew. Aramaic is what Jesus actually spoke when he was doing his ministry. He was speaking Aramaic. So this translation of the Bible is a little bit different. It just brings some clarity, and I love how it says here. We're going to read John 17, verses 20 through 23, and let me just give you some, some context. This is when Jesus, at the very end of his life, he's talking to his disciples, those men that had followed with him, those 12 that were close, and he's giving them some instruction for after he leaves the earth. And what we're going to read today is actually instruction on the birth of the church. How the church actually should start. So let's read. These are Jesus' words. Verse 20. He's praying to the Father. So this is his prayer. He says, And I ask, not only for these disciples, those 12 that were gathered around him, but also for all those who will one day believe in me through their message. Did you know that Jesus, 2,000 years ago, was thinking about you? He was thinking about you, and he prayed a prayer over you. If you're watching online, Jesus thought about you. And this prayer was for us Thank God he was thinking about us. He wasn't just thinking, okay, these disciples and then everything's gone. No, he wanted it to, to extend so much farther than those men and women that were gathered around him in that time period. Verse 21, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, so Jesus is saying, he's praying to the Father, even as you and I are joined together as one, I pray for them to become one with us so that the world will recognize that you sent me. 22, for the very glory you have given to me, I have given them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. There's our word, unity. Verse 23, you live fully in me and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity and the world will be convinced that you sent me. For they will see that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. Jesus' prayer was for the people of that time and in the ages to come. He looked forward into the future and saw 2021 and said, I want them to be joined together in unity. He wanted us to be joined as a whole. So how do we walk out this unity? How does this look in our lives? Let's take these scriptures and break it down and see exactly how can we apply this to our lives? Because we all know, oh yeah, we should walk in unity. Well, what does that really mean? Point one of walking in unity. Look back at verse 21. It's to become one with God. You're going to fill this out on your paper. Become one with God. It says, I pray for them all to be joined together as one, even as you and I, Father, are joined together as one. I pray for them to become one with us so the world will recognize that you sent me. How do we become one with God? We accept Jesus into our hearts. We surrender to God's hand on our life. Did any of you fight surrendering to God when you were younger? In your younger years, you felt him? Uh, I think I'm trying to, I was trying to think if it's a scripture. One of the translations calls the Holy Spirit. It says, the hound of heaven. Can you imagine that he is hounding? It was like in our lives. I know for me, it was like there was a time and I was like, I don't know if I want to do that or not. I don't know if I'm ready for that. 
But God wants us to surrender. He wants us to surrender our lives to him, to be one with him. We'll be in unity when we're one with him. See, Jesus and God are in complete unity, and that same unity is available to us. It's available to us, church. Jesus prayed this for us, that we would be one with the Father. See, when we become one with God, the world sees Jesus as real. And don't you know the world is looking for something that's real right now? There's so much fakeness in our world. Social media puts out a product where people, I mean, they have to take 20 selfies before they get the one that they think has the exact filter and everything's arranged just right in their little picture. It's so fake. The world is looking for something that is real and authentic so they can believe in it. Everything else the Bible says is shifting sand. It's going to change. They may put their hope in this relationship and they're going to find out, wow, this is, this is not going to stay stable. Jesus and our relationship with God is what will show the world the realness of following God, the realness of his stability in our life. I know when I got saved, I was in high school. I had lived my years through middle school through high school till my senior year, I lived doing whatever I wanted to do. I did so many bad things. In fact, if I look back too hard at that time, guilt and shame tries to come on me because I did a lot of things that I'm not proud of. And when I go back to my class reunions, you know what? Some of those people remember those bad things. But I want them to say now, I gave my heart to Jesus when I, right before my senior year of school, and I really did go from darkness to light. I know my family can testify. They thought I was kind of crazy. Uh, what, what has happened to you? But when I go back to those class reunions, I want them to say something is real about this. We've seen you and the difference it's made. You're not that person anymore. How many of you are like that? That you can say, I've gone from darkness to light. Not perfect, not perfect at all, but with a changed heart. Amen. That's what, when we become one with God, we'll have that, that heart that wants to please him. And our friends will say, hey, if he can change them, Jesus must be real. Right. All right, point two from this prayer of Jesus, number two, experience the glory of God. Verse 22 says, for the very glory you have given to me, I give to them so that they will be joined together as one and experience the same unity that we enjoy. See, the key to unity among believers, which all of us, I hope, are believers, is experiencing the glory that Jesus has imparted to us. I will tell you, when I re I've read this scripture from other translations, I did not get this same meaning. That God actually wants to take his glory that he shines to Jesus and shine that same glory. He wants us to experience that glory. Isn't that cool? See, that Greek word, glory, is actually D-O-X-A, doxa, and it means radiant beauty, splendor, perfection. See, it's that radiant glow, that peace, that joy that comes out of our lives. It's like it leaks out of us as we spend time with him. That's why it's so important for you to have time on a daily basis where you read the word. You now listen, you can be lazy too. In our society, we have so many ways to, to be in the Word. You can listen to it. Don't tell me you're too busy to sit down and read. Then while you're looking in that mirror getting ready or showering, turn on the Bible app that will read the Word to you. Spend time in the Word. Not just for you. Spend time in worship. Spend time that's why it's so important to come together as a body of Christ. Come to church. Good job, you're here. Come go to Bible studies. 
spend time with other believers so that that glory from God comes through us and it's like radiating out of us. We have something to offer to the world. They don't just see us, but hopefully when we walk into a room, they're gonna be like, man, something's different. They have a peace on them. They have joy even when this chaos is happening because there could be a lot of chaos. Y'all have any chaos in your family, in your job, with people around you? There's chaos. It's always, the opportunity's always there. But we can be different when we let God's glory come and we experience that, that can shine out for, on people and they're going to be like, wow, something's different about them. Experiencing the glory of God. You know, I go to a lady, um, when we first moved here in 2003, I was looking for someone to do my nails. And so, you know, now, now there's like a thousand nail shops. I don't know if there's a thousand, but one on every corner. Back then there weren't as many, but I was like, where am I going to go? Well, I ended up at this, this place and I met the owner. Her name is Rosa. And... I didn't like it at first, and I, after I went in, you know, you already have the appointment, so I went in, because there was, she had a little Buddha at her station, and uh, I think they had one other one somewhere in the store, and I was like, I'm not, you know, my, I'm not going to go there. My religious self wanted to be like, I'm not going there and supporting that, but I felt the Lord speak to me and say, you're going to stay and you be a witness to her. Well, 19 years later, I've stayed, almost 19 and we've done life together. She had a child develop leukemia at a very young age. And they went through a lot of things. And I wanted to leave them because she wasn't there. And she had other people doing it. And I felt the Lord say, you stay. You stay there. Such a small thing. A place where I go get my nails done. The Lord said, you stay. And I've stayed. She does a really good job too. But... I've stayed and I just, I don't, I don't preach to her, but I show love to her and I pray that that glory would come out. I was in there sometime in this last year and a lady came in, I'm getting my nails done. And you know, when you're getting your nails done, you can't really move. You can't really do anything. You're stuck until they're done. And a lady had come in and she brought her three children with her. Why would you bring your children when you're getting your nails done? Because you can't do anything with them. And they were, one was very small. I'm going to say like a year or so. Um, then there was one just a little above that, three or four, and then one a little above that. So they had to entertain the little one while mama's getting her nails done. And it was annoying, I'll just say. The little one was crying and screaming and he would run around the shop and then the little bit older ones would try to chase them and get them back in the little stroller. And my flesh wanted to be like, get your kids under control. But I didn't say anything and I just, under my breath, prayed for her. I prayed peace over them. And in a minute, Rosa starts asking me, she said, do you know so-and-so that comes to me too? Because I've gone for so long. I mean, some of her customers were like, oh, hi. And I'm like, no, I don't think I know her. And she's like, she's a lot like you. She said, she's just really sweet and kind. You know what? That's what I want. That's what I want people to experience. Because that's not my normal personality. If any of you know me, my personality can be a little intense. And a little harsh if I lean to my flesh. But this is why we let God's glory shine through us so that people will know. Because Rosa knows what I do. She'll ask questions sometimes about her church. And I tell her, you and your kids are always welcome to come. And one day I believe I'm going to see them in here. But God's glory can shine through us. And we can live in unity with people that are even of a different faith. Y'all get that? We can be God's light shining through this uh, through us into this dark world. All right, point three in walking in unity. Let Jesus live fully 
in you fully. This is verse 23. You live fully in me, and now I live fully in them so that they will experience perfect unity, and the world will be convinced that you sent me. For they will see, this is the world, will see with their eyes that you love each one of them with the same passionate love that you have for me. How do we live fully for Jesus? We let him into our lives. Not just see, most of us when we got saved was like, okay, Jesus, come into my heart. But then, you know, Jesus, he wants all of us. The more we go with Jesus, he's real gentle and kind, but he wants all of us. But if you're like me, sometimes we're like, okay, you know, Jesus, come into my heart, but I got some areas here. I, I don't want you. I still like to do these things. Don't be Lord over these areas. I'm not quite ready to give this part up. Or you may be someone that's like, man, there's some rooms in my heart. There's some places from my past that are so broken that I don't want anyone to even know there's a door there. I want to cover over that door and never allow God or anyone else to know the horror of what happened. And Jesus is wanting to live fully in us. We've got to let him into the places that we struggle with. We've got to let him into the hidden places of our heart and let him heal every part of us and live fully in us so that he can shine out of every place in our life. You know, when you break, let's say you have a vase and you break it and you try to glue it back together. Any of y'all done that? Like super glue, gorilla glue, it's my friend. I try to keep tubes of it. You gotta be real careful. I have some stories about my husband not being careful with it. But when you break like something glass, you glue it together, but y'all know. It's never quite the same, right? And let's just say you had a light that you put down in there. Guess what? In those broken places, that's where the light shines the brightest. In the broken places of our life, church, God wants to shine. Your testimony can help someone else. I love 2 Corinthians 1, it talks about with the same comfort that you've been comforted, go and comfort someone else in that same situation. A lot of us are like, I don't want anybody to know I was abused. I don't want that, that's ugly, that's awful. Guess what, that little girl in youth needs to hear that you overcame that. You're an addict, great. Let Jesus come and change you so that the next addict you meet, you can say, God, Freed me, and he can free you too. Let his light shine brightly through every broken place in your life. That's what God wants to do. Let him live fully on the inside of you. The New Living Translation of John 17, 23 says, May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. The message says, It will give the godless world. How many of you know we're living in a pretty much a godless world? Everywhere we look, every channel we turn on, it's a godless world we're living in. But look at what it says it will give. What will our unity, our letting Christ live fully in us, our letting him shine through us will give the godless world evidence that you've sent me, Jesus, and loved them in the same way that you've loved me. On your paper, write down, our lives are the evidence of God's love when we're walking in unity. What does evidence do? If there's a crime that's been committed, what did the police do? They go and look for evidence. What for? To prove this is the way it happened or this is not what happened. They need evidence to show. So what's the evidence coming out of my life to show the world that Jesus is real to me? See, we don't have to be perfect, but there needs to be some 
evidence in our lives. You know, the Bible says the only thing we can judge people, because we don't know their hearts. Can you look at someone and say, I can see in their heart that they have this and this, or they don't have this. We don't. But the Bible does say, you judge a tree by its fruit. The trees are you and I and our life. What is the fruit? What is the evidence that we're a Christian? See, I went for a walk in my neighborhood last night, and there was a lot of evidence coming from the trees of what kind of tree they were. We have a lot of oak trees in our neighborhood, and guess what they have a lot of? Acorns. Oak trees are beautiful until that fruit comes. And all, it irritates my husband to no end. He tries to go out and pick them up, but inevitably, I mean, you could hear him the other day. We were outside and we could hear them dropping on cars. They were parked in front of our house. There's evidence of what kind of tree it is. Well, what about our lives? What could people see in our lives as the evidence of Jesus living in us? We went to uh, the Gateway Pastors Conference the end of September, a few of our staff, and uh, one of the speakers said this, and it has stuck with my heart. He said, how many people are not a Christian because you are? Did you hear it? Maybe I need to say it louder for the people in the back. Or the people online, ready? How many people are not a Christian because you are? Because maybe we don't have the good fruit in our lives that's showing the goodness of God. That's showing that God can forgive even a sinner like me. We're not walking around like we're perfect and we don't have any problems and people are like, that's not real. But we're showing people that, yeah, even in the middle of 2020 and 2021 and maybe 2022 when things are so crazy and there's not enough workers in all the stores. And you go in, we went to Starbucks yesterday in another city and waited 30 minutes for our drinks to come. And it would have been real easy to be like, what's wrong? In fact, the guy we're ordering said, please be patient with us. We don't have enough workers. It may take a little while. They had to post a sign where you pick up your drinks. Because again, what kind of fruit are we having in our lives that people are like, if that's how a Christian acts, no thank you. Let's be the kind of people that draw, draw to the Lord, draw people to God because of the kindness and the goodness that's coming out of our lives, right? And like me, it is only God, yeah. only God that can show that and change my heart. See, we have, we're around people all the time. We're around people at our jobs, at our activities, at our family events. See, we had a family event a week ago. One of my uncles passed away. He had lived a really good life, 88 years old. And how many of y'all know weddings and funerals? They bring out family members, right? They bring out the best and maybe sometimes the worst in family members. And I have a great family, a great heritage that I came from. So, of course, they asked Stormy and I to do the funeral because guess what? We're the Christians that they know in their lives. They don't have a pastor, but they know we're pastors and they've seen us for 21 years be pastors. Not perfect. So they asked us to do the funeral. We, we go, we plan, we do some changes to it. Okay, not a big deal. They see us just being peaceful. Again, they're from a couple of different states. I never saw them, never got to talk to them in person before the funeral. So it's not like it was perfectly planned. We get together. It was a great graveside service, sweet. Then we get together, a little church in Fort Sumner let us use their um, little fellowship hall for a family meal. And, you know, I haven't seen some of my cousins in many years. 
and we're all gathered together, and we even, <laughs> one of my sisters, y'all ever have any bossy sisters? There's four of us, so we all, they're all like, you're the bossy one. No, you're the bossy one. I think we're all bossy, the three of us that are left. And so one of them said, all the cousins. So they took the, my mom, we always try to get a picture of the siblings. So them, we get a picture of them, and then they're like, the next generation. So all the first cousins, we got up there, and, when the, and then they made the, all of their kids, and then even the greats that were there, the great-grandchildren there. And they posted that picture, and I just looked at that, and I thought, we're all so different. So different. So many life differences. We've gone down different paths, but I love all my cousins. And I prayed that even in the midst of what could be a sad time of funeral, that Jesus would live fully in us and that we could shine his light and they would see that Jesus is real. That's my goal. That's what Jesus was praying for the church, that we would be so real that people would want to see him because of the unity that's in our lives. See, unity, this is on your paper, is a choice we make. It's a choice, church. See, we're not always going to like the people around us. Some people may get on your last nerve, but guess what? You can love them because God has loved you. And Jesus said, with that same love that we've received, we can love others. So it's a choice that we make. And one thing that's going to keep you from living fully with Jesus is division. Division. Luke eleven seventeen is a great scripture for unity. It's kind of the what not to do. It says Jesus knew their thoughts. He knows what we're thinking. He knows the intentions of our hearts. And he said to them, any kingdom divided against itself will be ruined and a house divided against itself will fall. Division occurs when there's two visions, two different people trying to do, trying to lead, trying to have their own way. That's what causes division. So in the church, what should be our vision? Should we have two, 10, 20, 100 different visions? We should have one vision. What is that? To lift Jesus up so high that everyone else would be drawn to him. Um, I've been meeting with this group of pastor's wives. We think it's been about 14 years. We always forget exactly how many years. And uh, four of us have large churches here in Lubbock. One is in Leveland. And we get together once a month and we eat lunch. It never fails to surprise me the looks that we get from people. I mean, even this past week we had met at a local restaurant and this one group, I, I knew the lady, she knew, actually knew all of us, and I could tell she walked by and she did this little side look like, wow, I can't believe all of them are together. Why? Because what are churches, most churches known for? Fighting against each other, being competitive. Well, our church is better than your church. We do this instead of us working together with one vision. You know what? The Dream Center is doing a great job handing out Thanksgiving meals. Why would we not partner with them? Yes, we have a small food pantry, but I can be a part of this thing that's bigger than what we could do and be a part of our community. And buy, at United, go and buy a box of stuffing, Stouffer stuffing mix, and donate that and be a part of something that God is doing in our community. We try as a church to be in unity with other believers. This should be our goal, not in competition. Be in unity in your family. Be in unity with the people on your teams, the people that you work with, your, all the people in your circle. That's letting Jesus live fully in you. When we have two visions, definitely opens a door for the enemy in our lives. 
So our last point, number four. To walk in unity in our relationships is to let go of offense and forgive. Jesus spoke a lot about forgiveness. See, we're going to have many opportunities in life to be offended. Every single day, an opportunity is going to present itself for you to be offended because everyone's different. People do things differently. They, they may handle this situation and you may be like, oh, why are they like that? Maybe because God made them that way. Some people, yeah, they may be irritating, but guess who loves them? God loves them. And maybe he wants your life to be the one that's touching them. As irritating as they may be to you, maybe God wants to use you. And we've got to let go of offenses. We've got to forgive people. And it'd be great if everyone came and said, oh, I offended you. I'm so sorry. That's not going to happen. The majority of the time, people don't even know that they've been offensive to you. And we take that offense and it's almost like luggage we carry around. And we're like, oh, I don't want to be around them. And we're carrying that, that, and then we get another offense and we add that next piece of luggage, that burden. And pretty soon we're carrying around all this burden. We're like, God, I can't really get to you. You feel so far away because I'm carrying all this stuff. Where are you? Well, maybe he's telling us, let it go. Let all the junk go from your relationships. Yes, sometimes you talk to people. Yes, sometimes you, you try and do what you can do. I'm going to talk about that here in a second. But we don't need to carry those burdens. People won't always apologize for what they've done. But we can make the choice to forgive and let that offense go. Do you know why? We get it out of our hands some of us are carrying it. We're so used to it. This is my burden. This happened to me. I'm never going to forgive them because they have to pay a price. When you're doing that, you're keeping it in your heart. And you know what forgiveness is? It's releasing it to the God of justice. He's a God of justice. You can be sure. They will have their, their day with the Lord. And that's not up to you. That's up to the Lord. But you get it out of your heart and you forgive. You let the offense go. This is how we walk in unity with one another. Joyce Meyer said this and I loved it. How many of you are married in here? Raise your hand up. You're, you can testify to this. How many of you are not married yet? Raise your hand up because here's some good advice. She said this, she said, people should enter close relationships with their eyes wide open, realizing there's going to be things about that person that are going to bother them. We try to be very open with couples that are getting married because, listen, like my husband and I, two very different people. He does things on the daily that I'm like, oh, why does he do it that way? Because he's different than me. So we should enter relationships with eyes wide open. Counting the cost. Knowing what's coming. That, but you know when you're, you're newly married, newly engaged. You're like, oh yes, it's all going to be great. And it is. It is when you keep walking in unity. But listen to this next part. After we enter these relationships, when you're already married, when you're already connected, you're already in that job, we will have to close our eyes to many things because it doesn't do any good to concentrate on every little fault and every little thing that's different from you and every little offense that could pop up. To walk in unity, we've got to learn to let it go and forgive. Give it to our Father. Colossians chapter 3, verses 13 and 14 says, make allowance. That means make room for each other's faults. Oh, novel idea. Make room. Because you know what? My faults are very large, very big. 
And I'm so glad that my father makes room for my faults. And forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, verse 14, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. We forgive other people because we are forgiven by our Father. That's why we can forgive people who have hurt us, who have treated us badly, because we've been forgiven and we've done that same thing to Father God. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 11 says, Finally, beloved friends, be cheerful. Repair what is broken among you as your hearts are being knit together in perfect unity. Live continually in peace, and God, the source of love and peace, will mingle with you. There's going to be broken places. There's going to be misunderstandings. You might as well prepare yourself for it, even among our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. But Paul wrote there and said, repair what is broken among you. We have a responsibility, church, to walk in unity. We have things that we can do to repair the broken relationships. And it says when we're at peace, it says that his presence is mingling among us. I love that. That's what we feel when we come to church. When we're with other believers, we feel his presence moving among us. And how many of you know there are a lot of people they are hard to get along with? Anybody have that in their life? You have someone, you're like, mm, yeah, but you don't know so-and-so. They are hard to get along with. Oh, I've got a scripture for you. This is one of my life scriptures because I have to use it all the time. Romans 12, 18. The New Living says, do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. I like how the New King James version says it says if it is possible as much as depends on you live peaceably among all men write this down we can't do their part but we must do our part in walking in unity with others see anybody have anyone that you're like I know I'm not in unity with them ask the Lord what can I do what can I do with this difficult person? Maybe they're talking about you. Maybe they're going behind your back at work, at school, and they're saying ugly things. Ask the Lord, what can I do? What's my part to live at peace with them? He will give you innovative ways. He will give you ideas. I will just tell you, I have, when I ask the Lord that, and I'm obedient because guess what? It's hard sometimes. He's given me things to do that I could not have thought of myself. I've worked with some people that they're difficult. Some of the schools I worked at when I was a teacher, mm, it was hard. Sometimes people are like, do you miss teaching? I love the kids. Some of the teachers I had to teach with were difficult. They were hard. The Bible says as much as depends on you. I've bought gifts for people secretly. Got them to them secretly. They didn't know it was from me. What did that do? It did something in my heart. It kept my heart pure and clean. Can I bless someone else that maybe has talked about me? Yes, I can. Can I be kind to them? Yes, I can. I can do things as much as depends on me. See, God's not going to, he's going to judge them. But he's going to look at you and say, what did you do in that situation? How did you let Christ fully shine through you to that person? But you know why they're difficult? Do you know why they act that way? Because they need Jesus in their heart just like we did when we were sinners. They need someone to show them that Jesus is real. See, unity requires humility. Two things. Humility, you're going to lose your pride. If you're, you're like, I'm not going to apologize till they do. You're going to wait a long time and you're not going to be at peace. It's going to require humility 
and the power of the Holy Spirit. Unity is going to require the power, being full of the Holy Spirit, who will give us the power to be these witnesses to the goodness of God. Acts 1.8, very famous scripture. Jesus said, he's telling the disciples and that big group of people, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. That's when we get our power. And what is it for? What does the scripture say? And you will be my witnesses. Don't think you can do it in and of yourself. I am powerless to walk in unity and be peaceful with everyone if I'm just looking at my own strengths because I'm going to fail. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he enables me. He fills me so that I can forgive. I can give people forgiveness. I can let go of offenses. I can let Jesus shine through me in difficult places. And I can actually be a good representative of the church because the Holy Spirit is letting me and empowering me to do that. Amen? Amen. So what we're going to do now, we've heard the word. We've been challenged. And have you been challenged? So now let's respond to the word. We're not just a church like, okay, goodbye. Glad you, glad you came. Let's respond to the word now. Put your stuff down. Y'all stand up. And we're, I'm just going to ask you some questions and we're all going to just... I'm going to lead you through some prayers. This is your time to talk to the Lord. Please don't leave. If you're online, please don't click off. This is the most important part, is to respond to the voice of the Lord in your life, in your heart. Close your eyes if you would. The first thing I talked about was that you need to become one with God. You need to become one with God. Have unity with your Father. So if you know I've not been one with Him, I haven't let Him be one in my heart. Raise your hand up right now and say, say this with me. You know there's been division with you and God. I'm not talking about others, with you and God, because that's where it starts. Okay, let's pray this prayer. Say, Jesus, help me to become one with you. I give you my heart. I give you my life. I want to be in unity with you. I need you, God. Come and live in me. Jesus' name. The second thing I talked about, keep your eyes closed, is I want to ask, have you had God's glory shining out of you? Have you been that witness and you've let his light shine or you know, man, there's not been any shining in my life for God. I've not been a good example to the people I'm around. I want to do better. Raise your hands up could be all of us. Jesus, pray this with me. Say, Jesus, I want your glory to shine through me. Not myself, not my own ways, but your ways. I want to shine for you, Jesus. Help me, God, to shine brightly to the circle of people that you've placed me in. In Jesus' name. The next thing I want to ask is if you have not let Jesus live fully in every part of your life, every part, maybe you've asked Jesus to be your Lord, but you haven't given up those things over there. You haven't allowed him to touch those places. Or to go back and open those rooms in your heart of things that have happened. Lift your hands up if that's you. And you want Jesus to live fully in you. Jesus, we invite you to come in. Tell him, I invite you in, Jesus, to every place in 
my heart. I open the doors to your tender touch because I know you love me and you want to heal me. All the broken places, I give them to you. go of offense and we forgive if you felt something in your heart if you felt the Holy Spirit say you've got that area you've got that person you've got that thing you're offended at maybe it was a church and a pastor maybe it's a family member I don't know what it is but you know you've carried that offense that burden you're ready to lay it down for the Lord. Let go of the offense. Raise your hands up. And you know you need to forgive. See, forgiveness is not saying what you did to me is right. Forgiveness is saying I'm not going to carry it any longer. Say this with me. Say, Jesus, I choose to forgive. You could say their name. I choose to forgive them, God. And let go of the offense. I want it out of my heart, out of my life, God. Help me, God, to walk with you and let you shine through my life, every area of my life, God. I hold nothing back, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, we're going to do one more thing before we dismiss to show that we're the church. I am going to tell you, if you prayed one of those four prayers, when we dismiss the service, I want our prayer team members to come down here and pray with each of you. If there's an area near your heart you want to say, I want you to, I want to tell you about this, please agree with me. You're not alone. Our prayer team's going to agree with you. But right now, I want us to show the devil that we are one church. I want you to spread out and take the hands of all the people beside you, behind you. If you're in the front, reach back. You may need to change positions. We are the church. We're going to build our church. Invite people to come. Reach out your hands. This is our show of unity to show. We love each other. We're committed to the process of unity our different colors of skin, our different backgrounds, our different personalities. We're gonna build God's church through unity, amen? We're gonna build His church. Let's sing this together. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.